Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Art is anything you can get away with. So wrote Marshall McLuhan. And it's a comment that may have some specific relevance to this week's uh, podcast. I've always had a problem with the word commercial being attached to an area of photography where money changes hands for photographs made for a client. I prefer the accuracy of the word commissioned for commissioned work and commercial as an umbrella for all work that is exchanged for cash, including work bought and sold in the contemporary art market. A market that lives and breathes money and which judges work on a mythical black art undertaken in the rarefied white-walled rooms and overheated auction houses of New York and London. My time working on the front line at Sotheby's revealed this reality to me. But something is happening in the art market, and as Bob Dylan said, you don't know what it is, Mr Jones. And it's not easy to understand, but it is all about money, or at least investment. Or is it? Well, you may have seen the term NFT being used uh, on social media and in various articles recently. But what is an NFT? Well, I'm going to try my very best to to explain that and also to explain its relevance to photography. Well, an NFT is a non-fungible token, a unique digital file stored on a digital ledger called a blockchain. In economics, fungibility is the property of a commodity whose individual units are essentially interchangeable and each of its parts is indistinguishable from another part. For example, gold is fungible, as is Bitcoin or Ethereum, since a specified amount of pure gold is equivalent to that same amount of pure gold, whether in the form of coins, ingots, or any other state. And I hope that makes some sense. Other fungible commodities include sweet crude oil, company shares, bonds, and other precious metals and currencies. But NFTs are non-fungible tokens. They act as a non-duplicable, I can't even say it, let alone understand it, non-duplicable digital certificate of ownership for any assigned digital asset. Basically, it's a smart contract that is put together using bits of open source code, which anyone can find from platforms like GitHub and use to secure that digital item. Once the code is written, it is then minted or permanently published into a token on a blockchain such as Ethereum. Some popular forms of NFTs include JPEGs, GIFs, videos and of course tweets. But really any digital asset that the creator wants to make unique can become an NFT, like articles or event tickets. Once the NFT is purchased, the owner has the digital rights to resell, distribute or license the digital asset as they please. The only caveat is that the creator can program in limitations in the NFT's code for how it gets used, such as the asset cannot show up on a specific platform. However, NFT creators also have the opportunity to earn royalties off of future reselling transactions. There are three main marketplaces for buying and selling NFTs, and they're OpenSea, Rarible, and Nifty Gateway. 
So if you're confused, then I'm sure you're not alone. But simply put, NFTs are not mutually interchangeable and are created by uploading a file such as an artwork to an NFT auction market. This creates a copy of the file, which is recorded as an NFT on the digital ledger. The NFT can then be bought with cryptocurrency and resold. NFTs are used to commodify digital items such as digital art, video games, photography or music. I've read a lot about this and what I've just stated is what I've discovered, but I'm not sure that I am any clearer, to be honest, about how this works. But it can only be a short time before it starts impacting all of us as photographers, particularly concerning copyright and image ownership. Why? Well, because a recent and first digital-only art auction by Christie's Auction House has netted $69 million. That's about £50 million for the artist Beeple. The digital art was sold as an NFT, and Beeple's real name is Mike Winkleman, and he creates a new piece of digital art every day, and was selling the first 5,000 days, 13 years of his work. The company said that the sale was the first NFT-based work of art sold by a major auction house and set a new world record for digital art. The collection is a collage of the thousands of uh, images that Beeple, who's an American graphic designer, started in 2007 and, as I say, has done so ever since. The auction had attracted a great deal of attention, with bidding ramping up to $10 million, I should say, earlier in the week. But on the final day of bidding, it skyrocketed to a final price of $69 million. The sale marked the first time Christie's had accepted cryptocurrency as payment. And the buyer's premium, however, that cannot be paid in cryptocurrency, which means that Christie's will make over $9 million in real money. For context, every day, the first 5,000 days, is now the third most expensive work by a living artist sold at auction. Behind works by Jeff Koons and David Hockney, Beeple's auction record is also now higher than most famous old masters, including Raphael and Titian. So evidently, 22 million people watched the final moments of the auction's live stream. That may in part be down to the current hype surrounding NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, as we, we need to try and understand them. The current craze surrounding them has seen the musician Grimes sell a collection of her artwork for more than $6 million at the beginning of uh, March of last year. and the Sorry, March of this year. And the founder of Twitter has also put up his first tweet for sale with a bid of $2.5 million so far. And in one of the most controversial cases, one group burned a genuine Banksy original before putting its digital token up for sale for $380,000, around £274,000. Now, where's the connection, I hear you say, with photography? So far, Grant, all you've been doing is talking about the art market. Well, thanks to a friend of the podcast, Bill Shapiro, who put it, pointed me, I should say, in the direction of an article in Bloomberg's Business Week, I'm about to give you some information about that. The development of the photography market is very similar to that of the NFT. 
Like digital art, a photograph can be reproduced, as we know, over and over and over again from its original negative. Yet despite that reproducibility, not all prints are priced accordingly. While this distinction might be lost on outsiders, many NFT collectors are willing to spend huge amounts, at least in part, to impose and normalise a similar market framework for digital art. A finance-minded sceptic might say that the NFT's success is a product of the cryptocurrency, but the photography market shows that there is an interest at different price points for what in effect is the same image. That's an awful lot of information I've gone through there, and no doubt you're going to want to find your own articles and try and find out a little bit about all of the NFTs and what's going on with these cryptocurrencies. Because as I say, it's relevant to the photography market, and I think it's only a matter of time before we start hearing about photographic prints going for huge amounts of money in this way. That was all a bit complicated for me to get through. But something that isn't complicated is another new thing that I saw recently, and that's Clubhouse. It's an app which is only available on Apple platforms. And it seems to be an app that a lot of photography people are talking about and using and holding events on. It's an audio app. So rather than images being the core of Instagram, audio and speech is the core of Clubhouse. Great idea, I hear you say. Maybe, but as it's only available on Apple products, it makes it both exclusive and self-defeating. I questioned a magazine that was holding an event on Clubhouse recently about this exclusivity, and they were rather defensive, if not passive-aggressive, with their response, part of which said, Early adopters always have the advantage in these situations. You know that. Well, actually, I don't. Unless Clubhouse recognises the importance of Android, I think it might get filed alongside Periscope, Hipstagram and MySpace. This week, I'm really pleased to be able to welcome to the podcast photographer Mona Kuhn. Born in Sao Paulo, Brazil, to parents of German ancestry, Mona began taking photographs at age 12 when her parents gave her a Kodak camera for her birthday. She moved to the United States in 1992 to attend Ohio State University and then furthered her studies at the San Francisco Art Institute. Cohn's first monograph, titled Photographs, was published by Stiedel in 2004, which was followed by her book Evidence in 2007. Her next project, released in 2010, was a return to her homeland of Brazil with a series titled Native and an accompanying a monograph of the same name. In 2011, Kuhn released her Bordeaux series, also with a monograph published by Stiedel. Kuhn has released three monographs, including She Disappeared Into Complete Silence and Bushes and Succulents since. Her most recent book, Works, was published this month by Thames and Hudson. In addition to fine art photography, Kuhn has an extensive career within the fashion and editorial worlds. She's collaborated with both Chanel and Dior and photographed for numerous publications, including Numero, Le Monde, Harper's Bazaar and W. Since 1998, she has been an independent scholar at the Getty Research Institute in Los Angeles. 
and her work is held in several collections, including the J. Paul Getty Museum, the Los Angeles County Museum of Art and the Perez Art Museum Miami. Mona Kuhn lives and works in that city. Hi, my name is Mona Kuhn. Photographing someone in the nude is my attempt to reach the moment of perfect balance, the light of awareness in the way we perceive life to be. The nude is present in my work not as a one-dimensional physical manifestation, but rather as a proof of our being, our presence in time, and ultimately caring for what will be lost. To me, that is what photography is all about. I am most comfortable representing the nude as a minimal, timeless, somewhat monastic, and mostly pensive. I enjoy the nuances, the elegance of simplicity, the rustic forms, because it brings us close to our own nature and sense of self. My works are not meant to be of this time, but to transcend in its basic form the elements of time. Thank you very much, Mona, for your contribution this week, uh, focusing on time and that very, I suppose, often contentious area of photographic practice, the nude. Time has been uh, kind of there in a number of the contributions that we've had over recent weeks, that idea of slowing down and that idea of capturing time. Key elements within photography, of course. So, thanks very much, Mona, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope also that this uh, episode hasn't been too information-heavy or too serious. But, you know, I think the most important thing about photography is that we enjoy it. And I saw something the other day that I thought was particularly relevant. It was concerning music, but um, I think I'll share it with you anyway. It was uh, a comment made by Ali Akbar Khan, who actually died in uh, 2009. And uh, Ali Akbar was an Indian Hindustani classical musician of the Maihagarana, known for his virtuos- virtuosity, I should say, in playing the Sarod. Anyway, Ali said this, Real music is not for wealth, not for honours, or even the joys of the mind but as a path for realisation and salvation. And I thought that that really uh, resonated with me because I do feel that sometimes it's very easy to get tied up in this idea of uh, the competitive nature of photography, that idea of trying to achieve the work that others want to see or what you believe others want to see. Getting sucked in to that idea of others' expectations being more important than your own expectations. And I know certainly for me, one of the phrases I use most often when I'm mentoring uh, photographers is just to have fun. I think that's really important. And I suppose coming to the end here of an episode whereby it's been pretty serious, not always like this as regular podcast listeners know, But it is important to have fun, isn't it? Speaking of having fun, you might like to spend a little bit of time to read some of the previous contributors to the podcast in the book that came from this podcast, uh, What Does Photography Mean to You? 
in which 89 professional award-winning photographers from around the world explain what photography means to them. Available now, $9.99 from Blue Pro. Excuse me, I, I never get everything right, if, if anything. But anyway, bluecoatpress.co.uk is your destination for purchasing that. I'm also hearing that I'm going to be doing a, a book signing down at um, the Bristol Photo Festival. They, they're going to have a book uh, weekend, I think. So I'll be down there signing copies on the Blue Coat Press table. Well, not on the table, but probably near the table. I'm not sure. Anyway, if uh, you are able to get down to Bristol for that, I'll give you some information over coming weeks when I get that information. Also currently working on an exhibition of photography, photographers primarily from the 1960s, uh, coming together really well and that's going to be happening at the Lucy Bell Gallery down in Hastings on the south coast of England. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of it online as well and I'll be giving more information about that as that comes to fruition. I'll also be putting together a an exhibition of young photographers work as part of the Photo Oxford Festival at the end of this year. I should say that um, I've been vaccinated, so I'm obviously feeling slightly more positive about the idea of these kind of physical meets. Uh, lots of things being planned for the autumn of this year that obviously I'm getting very excited about. In the words of Nina Simone, Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new day. It's a new dawn. It's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. Make sure that you all feel good and take care. <laughs>